What's going on? Welcome into the Friday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host Jim Eikenhofer of Pelicans.com. Happy game day, Pelicans fans. New Orleans is back in action tonight as they finally will take on their Southwest Division foes in the Dallas Mavericks. Remember, the first game was canceled this season on January 11th, but now they are back in action here tonight um, on national television, ESPN. And, and speaking of ESPN, joining us today is Tim McMahon, who covers the Mavericks and the entire NBA for ESPN and ESPN.com. Tim, thanks for joining us. How are you? Good. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about this Mavericks team and the way they're playing right now. They've won three in a row, four of their last five. They got off to a slow start earlier in the season. What's been behind their winning ways in the last five? Well, you know, one thing that I've discovered this season is that uh, when you have half your rotation out for coronavirus, it's hard to <laughs> Uh, win games in the NBA, certainly hard to get any kind of a rhythm. So, I, you know, look, a, a big factor is just simply that they're healthy. They're healthy. They're guys who were sick have been able to kind of get their legs back under them. Um, you know, one of those guys, Josh Richardson, who obviously was a newcomer, he's he's been able to start to get some sort of rhythm going. Um, and offensively, they're, they're starting to look more like the team that people expect. You know, obviously last year they were historically efficient offensively. That has not been the case for much of the season. It's, it's they've been playing in mud for a while. Um, you know, defensively, still very much a work in progress. They certainly haven't made the significant strides they thought they would with some of the uh, the offseason tinkering that they did with their roster. But you know, they're they're, they're starting to uh, you know really a lot of it's just starting to hit shots. I mean, they've been the worst three point shooting team in the league, and you know sometimes the old saying it's a make or miss league. It's the truth. When you get wide open three-pointers, you need to knock them down, and they've been doing that more often lately. Tim, I know really not that long ago people were wondering, you know, is there reason to panic? Is there reason for major concern just the way that they started the season? I mean, you just laid out a bunch of the reasons why they've played better lately. And another thing I noticed when kind of researching them this this morning was um, the, the starting lineup that they've had for the last six games – has done really well. And even with that same, with four of those guys, but with Willie Cauley-Stein instead of Porzingis, with those mm-hmm. other four players in the lineup, they won a couple games with them, with them too. I mean, how much of, how, how, how much do you think Mavericks fans should feel at ease? Like how, how much more optimistic do you think people should be about them based on just the fact that with that group that they've had lately, it just seems like they have continuity and they, that they've, I'm sure it's probably not at the level yet that they played last year, but it seems like it's getting closer. Yeah, I mean, when they were on that long winning streak, kind of the, the, the question was panic or patience. And I think you had to have patience considering that, again, you know, when you've got five guys who are all rotation players who are out because of the health and safety protocols and four of those guys actually were sick, which means there's going to be a reconditioning process, which means they're not able – uh, to work out during that time. Basically, it's it's almost like, you know, you're, you're starting all over again from the, the beginning of the training camp with those guys. You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. And, you know, that starting lineup that you mentioned, Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Cleaver were, were, you know, those are three of the guys who were out who were sick. Also, probably their three best defensive players. So, you know, that that makes a major difference. And, you know, when, when Maxi is in the mix – they're able to both play their best shooting lineup and their best defensive lineup. He's been their best three-point shooter this season, and he's a he's a six foot ten guy who um, it can can get out on the on the perimeter, guard power forwards, also guard bigger guys. He's 
you know, not that he's a Zion stopper by any stretch of the imagination, but he is the guy who will get that defensive assignment. He's, he's going to get that most difficult uh, defensive assignment over Porzingis 95% uh, of the time. And so, yeah, you know, they're, they're trying to start really kind of developing a little bit of a, a rhythm and, and, and developing some continuity. And, you know, they're not the only team in the league that, that's going through this. I mean, you know, ask the Miami Heat how, how difficult it's been for them if you want to look at probably the most disappointing team uh, in the Eastern Conference. You know, there's obviously other examples. Nobody feels sorry for the Mavericks. But when you are evaluating this team, you have to take into consideration those circumstances and the fact that their early season schedule was uh, statistically the most difficult in the NBA. When you mentioned Josh Richardson, obviously a key piece in that trade where Seth Curry goes to the Philadelphia 76. So obviously you lose a lot of sharing, shooting with Curry, but you add a lot of different things with Josh Richardson. What are those things that Josh has added to this team that maybe nothing against Seth, but maybe Seth necessarily didn't have? Um, what's been the difference uh, between those two as Josh is now on the Dallas Mavericks roster? Well, and look, if we want to be honest, straight up, the, your, your knee-jerk reaction to that trade based on the, you know, 25-ish games that we've seen so far is that it was a mistake by the Mavericks. Uh, they have absolutely missed Seth Curry's shooting. Clearly, he's made a major impact uh, for the 76ers. But the idea, and, and, you know, I agreed with it at the time, was that they needed to be a much better defensive team and that Luka needed a, a backcourt mate who was, uh, you know, a, a stopper type of guy. You know, Josh Richardson, uh, he, he's always going to take the most difficult backcourt defensive assignment, you know, whether that's the point guard or the two guard. Um, you know, he, he's got that versatility, um, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more of a slasher than, than Curry. But again, it was a sacrifice of one of the best shooters in the game for a guy they thought was a, a better fit with Luka in terms of that defensive uh, presence. And I think it's too early to make a definitive uh, conclusion on it. But so far, uh, they, they certainly have missed Seth Curry. Before I go back to Jim, what intrigues you about tonight's matchup? Obviously, we didn't get to see these two teams on January 11th due to health and safety protocols. Obviously, both teams now kind of going mm -hmm. in the right direction. Pelicans coming off a tough loss to the Bulls on Wednesday night, but still have also won six of their last nine games. And, of course, we mentioned the Mavericks. But what intrigues you about tonight's matchup with these two teams? I mean, look, obviously the reason this is an ESPN game, we all understand. It's Luka and it's Zion. And those guys aren't going to guard each other, um, and, you know, unless there's some, some switches or whatever. But that's the reason that, that those are the guys that, that people want to see. And so, I mean, I, I am intrigued to watch two of the most fascinating young talents in the league. Uh, absolutely. Um, but from a, just from more of a, a broad standpoint, uh, these are two teams that were expected to be maybe two of the rising teams in the Western Conference. Both got off to slow starts uh, for different reasons. Both seem to be kind of getting it together. So, you know, it's, it's still relatively early in the season, but, uh, you know, both teams are kind of in situations where they need to get some momentum going. They can't mess around too much. Or, you know, they're, they're at risk of uh, either being a playing team or, or, or not even, uh, you know, not even getting that opportunity. Tim, you mentioned how this is an ESPN game. I'm actually a pretty avid reader of the ESPN power rankings that you guys put out mm -hmm. every week. Um, I know you, uh, you, you obviously are the guy that, that does the Mavericks updates each week, and you also do the Grizzlies and the Rockets 
I was kind of wondering for wondering about some of your just quick thoughts of some of the other teams in the division. I guess maybe starting with the Grizzlies. How uh, how impressed have you been with the fact that you know we've talked about safety health and safety protocols. They had a stretch of like two weeks where they didn't play. They had John Moran out. Um, Jackson hasn't even played yet. What have your thoughts been on just the way that they've been still competitive so far? Yeah, and by the way, the Mavericks wish they'd have been part for a couple of weeks when they had half the rotation yeah. out. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. That's kind of the, the league realized this is really we're putting teams in tough spots here. Mm-hmm. Um, look, the Grizzlies, you, you mentioned Jackson hasn't even played yet. Uh, Winslow has not played one second in the Grizzlies uniform, you know, and we'll, we'll see when and then how well he plays. But they're certainly when they made that trade, they expected he'd be uh, a major factor. But what the Grizzlies have done so well um, in, in these last couple of years have has just been drafting for value. And obviously, Jai at number two, you know, you, you got a potential superstar there. But Brandon Clark has been the steal of that draft when you look at where they were able to pick him. Uh, this year, Desmond Bain at 30, Xavier Tillman at 35, both guys who are you know, making significant contributions as, as key rotation players uh, during their rookie years. So, you know, I, I think you've got to be impressed with that. It's a, it's a young team that, that has a collection of talent that seems to fit well together uh, and is growing together. But there's also, you know, there, there's been some growing pains. And, you know, John Morant, uh, a, a, a young second-year point guard, certainly has a lot on his shoulders. And we've seen, you know, over the last week or so, when he struggles, it's really, really rough on the Grizzlies. Sure. Um, I know I've seen you at Rockets games a, a lot in the past couple yeah. of years. Maybe if we were under normal circumstances, you might not be there as much this season as you have been in the in the recent past, just based on the record. But, I mean, what have you thought about um, – I mean, they've had an incredibly wild start to the – to the season and Steven Silas. I mean, I think a lot of people around the league have felt bad for him just because of the way that he started his head coaching career. But I mean, do you have a feel right now? I feel like it's kind of gone in two different directions lately where they had a stretch where you were like, man, this team might be way better than everyone thinks. But then lately it seems like it's been probably more what people expect as far as a group of guys that's just been thrown together basically. Yeah, look, if we weren't in a pandemic, I'd have been living in a Houston hotel as that James Harden saga played out. <laughs> There's yeah. no doubt about that. Um, yeah. So, obviously, they were put in a, in a position where, you know, they, they really did not have a whole lot of, uh, of choice in deciding to really enter, whether you want to call it a rebuilding phase, certainly a transitional phase uh, for the franchise. When, when Harden decided he was done in Houston, they had to make the best deal they could. Uh, they could have gotten Ben Simmons and, and you know, some other pieces from Philly. They decided that they were better off taking just the historic bundle of draft picks from Brooklyn. Um, and, look, obviously that's not a deal that's made with this season of mine. It's not a deal that's made with next season of mine. Um, you know, Oladipo, we'll see if he's there after the trade deadline. I anticipate P.J. Tucker will probably be elsewhere uh, by the time the trade deadline rolls around. Um, but there's been some things that have, that have been encouraging for them. John Wall, look, nobody, I don't think, anticipated that he would play this well coming off of a two-year layoff and, and you know, a, a ruptured Achilles. Uh, Christian Wood has been uh, an, an absolute, you know, stud for them. Uh, a lot of people kind of, ooh, three years, $41 million for him. That looks like a bargain now, you know, for a guy who kind of bounced around the league, obviously had a brief stop. Uh, in New Orleans, among yep. other places, really wasn't able to find his 
you know, his spot in the NBA, the Rockets, took, you know, bet big on him uh, and that's paying off. And, and so you look at, they were, they were rolling and, and like you said, exceeding expectations until he sprained that ankle would sprain that ankle for the second time in three weeks. And since he's been out, uh, you know, they've gone on this losing skid. So I think that's the biggest factor. And they're a team that they're, they're trying to be competitive in the early stages of a rebuild, uh, which is difficult to do. But if you're going to, if you're going to attempt that, you know, it's, it's best to have a, a huge bundle of draft picks and they've been able to put that together uh, <laughs> kind of by force over these last few months. Um, lastly, for me, um, another team in, in your state, I guess, is obviously the Spurs. Um, do you have a do you have a feeling one way or the other? Are they a team that's going to you know contend for top five or six seed the way that they are right now? I mean, I mean or or is it going to be you know more like last year where they were kind of fighting to get into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the Spurs have exceeded my expectations at least so far this season. Um, you know, it's kind of a, it's a franchise that's really in kind of a, a, a weird spot. Obviously, you don't know how much longer Pop is going to be there. It's not going to be a full-scale rebuild during Pop's twilight. Um, you know, I don't know how much LaMarcus Aldridge has left, you know, when he'll be healthy. Uh, DeRozan, you know, feels like a, a very temporary piece. They've got some nice young talent. Uh, Vassar, their rookie, has shown some good things. DeJounte Murray, uh, Derek White. But I, I don't look at the Spurs and say, you know, that's one of the top five or six teams uh, in the Western Conference. And I think when things all shake out by the end of the season, they're more likely to be in one of those play-in spots than they are, you know, in that top five or six range. Should be a very interesting division throughout the rest of the season, to say the least. That's Tim McMahon, who covers the Mavericks and the NBA for ESPN and ESPN.com. Go follow him on Twitter at ESPN underscore McMahon, M-A-C-M-A-H-O-N. Tim, I really appreciate the time, really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for coming on. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, so, Jim, second game of this four-game Mardi Gras road trip. It hasn't been easy for the Pelicans on the road this season, even though you know there's no fans at a lot of these places. Obviously, they had the long six, seven-game road trip, which turned into a six-game road trip. But then you know this road trip was supposed to be just a two-game road trip, Chicago to Dallas, and the Pelicans are supposed to have three days off. And then now they added a game against Detroit on Sunday, which makes it a four-game road trip. So it's been an odd season for the Pelicans on the road, especially those new restrictions uh, took place in the middle of that long road trip. Hopefully they can get back in the wind column tonight, but hasn't been easy for them away from the Smoothie King Center. You know, a lot of people say that there's not much of a home court advantage in the NBA this season, but for me personally, I think I'm not going to buy that until I see – it, that being the case with New Orleans, because the Pelicans have done a ton better at home than they have on the road. Um, they're seven and five at home, four and eight on the road. One of the biggest factors, and this is beyond obvious based on what happened Wednesday, is the opponents have been shooting threes very well against the Pelicans. Um, one of the stats that I looked up this morning was the Pelicans are allowing 41% three-point shooting on the road, only 35% at home. They're four and eight on the road, seven and five at home. So obviously that's a pretty big difference. That's already kind of starting to surface. Um, I do think the quality of opponent has been maybe a little bit better on the road in terms of they've played Utah twice. They played both LA teams, but I do think that, you know, the, the defense has been better at home for, for whatever reason. So 
Um, I'm not buying that there's no home court advantage, but hopefully over these next three games that the, the Pelicans will play well enough that that'll, they'll start to show or demonstrate to the people who've said that home court doesn't matter this year, that that actually is the case and they, they can get a couple more wins or hopefully three more wins on this road trip. But um, right now that's definitely probably been the biggest factor is just the three-point shooting by home, the home teams have, has been very good. All right, good stuff there from Tim McMahon of ESPN.com. Pelicans and Mavericks tonight. It's nationally televised on ESPN. And uh, that means you can also play some fantasy, daily fantasy on FanDuel.com. To join us is Tom Vecchio, as he does every fi- Friday. And Tom, we'll get to that game in a little bit. But first off, happy Friday to you. How are you? Same to you. Thanks for having me back. We have a great 11-game NBA slate tonight, so I'm ready to get into it. All right, well, I'm going to put you right on the spot here because, of course, we've talked about the three-point challenge, which is one of the games that Louisiana residents can play. Um, give me, right off the bat, three shooters that you're willing to give it a go tonight. So, first off, we want to be looking at Bogdanovich from the Utah Jazz. You know, I mentioned before, the Jazz lead the league this year when it comes to made three-pointers uh, per game. Now, overall, this game environment against the Bucks is looking amazing. We're looking at a 232-point over-under, which is very high. The Bucks are allowing the fourth-most three-pointers per game to their opponents. So, it's a great spot to attack. We know that Mike Conley is out for the Jazz, so that simply opens up more opportunity for Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, uh, Jordan Clarkson, whoever it might be. But Bogdanovich specifically this year is shooting at 41% from downtown, and he's taking nearly seven attempts per game. So really liking Bogdanovich tonight. Also going to Buddy Heald for the Sacramento Kings, going up against the Magic, who are very shorthanded, dealing with a ton of injuries. They're on the second night of a back-to-back. More importantly, Buddy Heald is taking 10 and a half three-pointers per game this season, and the Magic are in the bottom 10 of the league for most three-pointers allowed. And then finally, Lonzo Ball for the Pelicans. Wow. He's shooting his best season from deep. He's taking more attempts. He's making them at a higher rate. We have a great over-under sitting at 232 or 233 versus the Mavs. But more importantly, the Mavs are struggling on defense this year. They're not only seventh most when it comes to most three-pointers allowed per game. They're the seventh worst against point guards specifically. So it really sets up to be a legitimately great spot for him. That's a, that's a great point. I'm glad you mentioned Lonzo Ball because he's been shooting really well for the Pelicans lately. And I, I think I asked you this last week, but maybe things have changed a little bit. We've seen Steph Curry now. Probably I think since I last talked to you, two games of 10 or more threes. Is there someone, you didn't mention him. I don't know if they're even playing tonight. I know they played last night against Orlando. But is he a, a must play every every day that he has a game? Is there anyone that no matter what is going on, no matter the matchup, that you're saying this has to be one of your three guys or is it always based on the matchup for that night? So the short answer would be no, there's no must player. But the long answer would be, you know, you don't want to box yourself, uh, you know, into a corner, right? You don't want to say, I have to play this player. You obviously daily fantasy, you want to be taking into account today's matchups. What are we looking at? You don't want to be, you know, having blinders on and saying, I have to play this player just because he's on the slate. If Steph Curry was doing the opposite of what he's doing right now, which is of course amazing what he's doing. And he's going through a shooting slump and he's going up a, you know, a tougher opponent on the defensive side. You don't want to be forcing yourself into playing him. Now, if you have two players that, from a process standpoint, you say, okay, these players like Bogdanovich, like Ball, like Heal, they're in a great spot. And now I'm having, having to choose a third, and you're in like a coin flip situation between Curry and someone else, and he's super hot right now. Yeah, I would lean towards Curry. So there's no like definitive answer of saying you have to play this player, 
Um, but it's a little more nuanced. So you want to be taking multiple factors into account, looking at the matchups. But then again, if you have a gut feeling about Curry, you might as well go with him. Good stuff there. All right, let's go to the National TV Challenge, an ESPN doubleheader tonight. Of course, the Pelicans are featured on that. So when looking at that matchup, you mentioned the three-pointers already um, for for the Pelicans as far as the Mavericks perimeter defense is concerned. But what else should should fans keep an eye on if they want to play this game uh, throughout the broadcast? So for the play in action for the Pelicans and Mavericks, it should be a great game. Obviously, plenty of talent on both sides, plenty of young talent, uh, high over under seeing at 232 points, 233, whatever it is at right now. Uh, and when you're first starting, one of the bets you can make on the or in uh, in game is that will this team upcoming, whoever might be score on this possession? Yes or no? Very easy answer. And because we're expecting more points in this game, most of the time we want to be leaning towards yes. Then we can also be looking at, you know, specific outcomes for that possession. Made three-pointers, will be made two-pointer, will be a foul, will be, be a turnover. And because we see some, uh, both of these teams specifically struggling from, uh, you know, guarding teams from downtown, made three-pointers is looking pretty good tonight. And then finally, one of, the, one of the options for bets tonight, or in general, but one of the bets you should be looking at tonight is, you know, will a specific player have X amount of points before the quarter ends? So if you see, you know, Brandon Ingram getting hot from downtown, you see Lonzo Ball getting hot from downtown because the Mavs are struggling. You want to take that over on the quarters, the points per quarter remaining. The second game of that doubleheader is Grizzlies and Lakers. Of course, Pelicans fans will keep an eye on that one as they'll be battling the Grizzlies throughout most of the year. But what sticks out to you about that matchup? So for this one, it comes down to where are we getting the secondary scoring from the Lakers if Anthony Davis misses his third straight game. We've seen LeBron play big minutes in these past two games against the Thunder going to overtime in both games. Uh, and we see Kuzma stepping up at times. We see uh, Dennis Schroeder stepping up at times. But on a game-by-game -game basis, we don't always have a ton of consistency from the Lakers' secondary option. So I'm expecting a big game from John Morant, as he's always been known to do, expecting a big game from LeBron as well. But it's really the secondary pieces for both teams. All right, should be a good doubleheader, as it is Pelicans and Mavericks and Grizzlies and Lakers. Of course, you can follow Tom on Twitter at DFS underscore Tom, associate editor number fire, and of course, uh, contributes to FanDuel.com as well, part of our FanDuel Friday. So he'll join us once again next Friday to get us up to date on some of the other games going on around the league. Tom, I appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Same to you. Enjoy being here. Great stuff there by Tim McMahon and Tom Vecchio today. Of course, you want to log on to FanDuel.com. If you're a Louisiana resident, now can play some of the free games, as we mentioned, the three-point three point challenge, and then the play in action, which focuses on nationally televised games. And speaking of that, Pelicans and Mavericks tonight at 6.30 p.m. Central Time. ESPN is where you can watch it nationally, locally on Fox Sports New Orleans, and you can listen on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM and the Pelicans Radio Network. Keep in mind, if you're within 75 miles of the Smoothie King Center, the Pelicans mobile app is also a way for you to listen to the radio broadcast if you somehow are not in your car and want to listen at home. Also, if you don't get Fox Sports New Orleans, you can put on the ESPN broadcast, turn your volume down, and listen to Todd Graffinini and Caroline Gonzalez tonight all right that will do it for we'll take a break that'll do it for today's podcast as pelican podcast is presented by sea geek we'll take a break on monday for lundi gras hope everyone has a great weekend i know mardi gras is a little different this year but hope everyone stays safe remember wear those masks practice social distancing and stay warm it's going to be a bit chilly for the next few days so i hope everyone can enjoy themselves as well and enjoy some pelicans basketball a game on valentine's day sunday 
against the Detroit Pistons at six. And then the Pelicans will wrap up their Mardi Gras trip on Mardi Gras Day against the Memphis Grizzlies tip off set for 630. For Tim and Tom and Jim Eikenhofer, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by C.